0: Our Bible reading today is from Samuel 1, chapter 8, and it's on page 277 of the Church Bibles. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, This displeased Samuel, so he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. And they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know what the king, who will reign over them, will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, This is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and others to plough his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we shall be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, Listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, Everyone, go back to your own town. Please keep your Bibles open so we continue to learn through the service.
1: Duty with the children today, and she's going to take them out and teach them 1 Samuel chapter 8. And we're going to be learning about 1 Samuel chapter 8. Surprise, surprise, the passage that Kath read to us just now. Thank you, Kath, for reading it so clearly and well. As we come in, though, let's ask ourselves a little question. Uh, Who leads the church? That's not a question of the slightest bit of interest to the person outside as far as uh, the ordinary bloke on the street is concerned, doesn't really care who leads, unless, of course, he wants the church to do something for him, like take a wedding or a funeral, in which case he might ask the question. But generally, it's a question for church folk. And yet, the way we answer it will affect the ordinary person on the street. And so we want to answer it wisely. And as we saw in our glorious slot earlier, it boils down to two things. We'll either be led by the world or we will be led by God. I'll explain about those two options in a minute. But every church will come under one of those two management systems. And we need to be clear and alert which one we want to choose we want to think that through what does it mean to be led by the world what does it mean to be led by God first let's think about what it means to be led by the world Uh, that actually uh, can be explained by the big request that uh, uh, the people make in verse 5 They say, you are old, your sons don't follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. Now, Samuel was a prophet he had been leading them. And part of Samuel's job was to help them not to fear the other nations or anybody else but to fear God alone. Now let me tell you, that may not sound right to you, because very often when we think about fearing God, we think about uh, being scared stiff. It's a Muslim way of being terrified by what God will do to you if you do certain things wrong. That's what we normally mean, and that is not what Samuel means. The background to the story is that Sam is getting to be old and they don't want his two sons to take his job after him. You see in verse 3 that they're not especially honest. But you can see the logic gap, can't you? The problem as far as they're concerned is that they've got a good leader with bad sons. They don't want to follow him. And so their answer is... A hereditary system where the sons will always follow the dad. It doesn't seem to really be the best cure to the particular problem they've identified. Sounds like the medicine that they want is going to turn up poison. And so in verse 11, Samuel wants to put some fear into them, not by threatening them with lightning bolts from God. But he says, guys, fear the consequences of your choice. Look at verses 11 to uh, 17. This is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses. They will run in front of his chariots. Some he will decide to be commanders of thousands, commanders of fifties and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest others still to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots he will take your daughters to be perfumers, and cooks and bakers he will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give a tenth to his sentence. he will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants your male and female servants the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use he will take a tenth of you get the point don't you? that uh, the king uh, that they want is going to essentially make them his slaves. That's what will happen in verse 18. And when that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the, from the king you have chosen from your own choice. Relief not from God's lightning strikes, relief from your own choice. That's very interesting because you see, if you know the Bible story you will know that way back in Exodus God's people cried out for relief from a king, only that king was an enemy king it was King Pharaoh of Egypt and he was treating them full on as his enemy and they cried for relief from him. Now they are crying for relief from their own king. And this time there will be no relief because it's their own choice. And that's what we need to fear. That some of the consequences we make, of the consequences of the choices we make, we will have to live with permanently. So be fearful, in other words, of yourselves. What you will do to yourself by your choices, not what God will do to you. Be afraid of the lasting consequences that our choices invariably have, especially the big choices we make have lifelong consequences for us. And they're choices that can't be reversed and we're lost there. But in verse nineteen they refuse to listen and so we're After all of that in verse 20, they still, if you look, want to be, want to have a king like everybody else. Uh, Then we should all be like all the other nations because they refuse to listen to what Samuel said in verse 19. We want a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. Now that is so, so disappointing because if you were here last week, you would know that last week they were prepared to put aside all the other things that other people wanted their gods. In other words, they wanted to put aside all the other values of the people around them in order to serve God alone. That happened in chapter 7, verse 4. So the Israelites put away their Baals and their Asherahs and served the Lord only. Now, when you've got the Lord only as your king, what happens is, if you remember from last week, they win a fantastic battle, and that's actually what they're wanting uh, in uh, verse twenty. They want a king to go out before us and fight our battles, and that's exactly what happened in chapter 7 when God fought for them they didn't have to fight at all the thunder that he caused was enough to put the whole Philistine army into disarray and uh, they just simply had to go in and mop up so they didn't have to fight at all if you look at chapter 7 verses 10 and 11 but now even after that great victory that God gave them when he was their king they now want a change, they want to be led by a new leadership system that will give them success in their battles, they say at the end of verse 20. Success in their battles, well, Sam has just told them that they are going to end up living like conquered people. But they don't listen. Now, please don't be too hard on them. It's better for us to be humbled. Buy them because actually that's what we're like too. Find a sort of way. We want leaders in our church that offer us very much the same things that the world's leaders want to give. So, for example, in our own country, uh, Mr. Cameron <coughs> wants to uh, create uh, prosperity and success for everybody. That's what uh, his election promise was. And so we have leaders in the church that offer prosperity and success. We look at uh, the city not too far away from here and we see business leaders uh, that are outstanding there and we want church leaders who are skilled in uh, management and in marketing. And it's not just the things we want from our leaders, even the way we choose our leaders can ape the world. So that in our country, the big leadership decisions are made by counting votes in the Houses of Parliament. Well, you get to the Church of England, and the big leadership decisions are made by counting votes in the equivalent of a House of Parliament, which is what they call General Synod. And that's what decides how the church will go forward on important areas like who leads. Should we have women leading? Should we have women bishops? Should we have gay marriage? All these decisions are made by counting out votes and the National Church operates in that way. We want to be like the world. And it's unsurprising that the leadership decisions that we make, therefore, about those things are like the world. And very often people come along, as they do, after uh, the vote to have been Bishops, for example, and there they were, news at 10, in front of the microphone, saying, well, there you are. This is how God has spoken to us this is the will of God that we should go this way the votes have been counted there's a majority but we've got to be very careful how we choose that route after we've listened to uh, looked at verse 22 because the Lord looks at the wrong choice and he doesn't say I'm going to keep it back he says listen to them and give them what they want When people are given what they want by God, it may not be a sign of his approval. It could well be a sign of his judgment. And again, remember, it is not God wielding the big stick. In this case, it is their king who will do that. And so we need to really understand that the pain of God's judgment in this life comes largely as a result of the choices we make to be led like the world. And we need to be fearful of ourselves and the choices we make. We are so prone to be like the people of Israel, God's people at that time. That's what it means to be led by the world. But what does it mean to be led by God? Well, I'm hoping that your speech bubble gives it away. Because for Israel, which is the church at that time, it simply meant listening to what God said through Samuel. It's silly for them not to listen to him in this case, given that we were told right at the start in chapter 3, verse 19, that uh, God did not let, uh, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Now therefore, if Samuel is telling them what it's going to be like, you really want to be listening to him? Not a word of that is going to fall to the ground? But, uh, they don't. But that's how you listen to God, by listening to Samuel. And for us, the way we listen to God is by listening to Samuel and the other Bible writers that speak from God to us. Because God speaks through them and nowhere else. Now, come back afterwards, we'll have questions. Uh, please challenge me on that. Uh, if uh, that's um, needing uh, uh, to be thought through a bit more but I want to say it's a good way of God leading us because when God speaks through those who wrote the Bible, Samuel and others who are teaching us uh, uh, there it is wonderful because there we have objective words, we have words with in black and white, that all of us can look at. And it'll say the same thing to you as it says to me. I don't have this subjective word, God is telling me this, and you're thinking of something else saying, Well, God is saying that to me, and it's different. No, when we've got something like this, we've got the same communication in front of us. And so God says the same things to everyone. He doesn't say something different to one person and then different to another. God is consistent and therefore he says the same thing to every single person and in every single age because God doesn't change and therefore his words don't need to change. Now there are developments in the Bible what the Bible calls covenants. And there is an old covenant and there is a new covenant and there are changes that God brings as he builds on one covenant and introduces another. Yeah, there are changes through covenant but there are no changes through culture. Only the world changes because of culture. God's people don't because God is consistent in every culture. It's just the covenants that we need to be uh, seeing develop. But this passage does tell us something else about God's leadership. Do you notice? And that that is that God will lead, what Christians sometimes call through his sovereign will, which means, yes, they will have atrocious kings coming down the track, doing all of verse 11-17, because they want to be like the world. But out of that same system, God is going to bring out a perfect king, not because God's got this plan B yep you can do this but I'll still do that no this is what God wanted actually all along right from the very beginning if you look at Genesis chapter 17 verse 6 you will see that God promised Abraham that there would be kings in his family so this is not something new that caught God on the hop he always knew He wanted kings for his people. Now, these people want a king to be like the nations around them. God wanted his kings to be kings who were under him, not like uh, everybody else. But although they, in that sense, tried to change his system, he will still bring about what he originally intended, which is his perfect king that will come out of that system which one day will be Jesus. Now, for Jesus to come, we'll have to wait another thousand years after Samuel has finished. But before Jesus comes, we will meet the king that resembles him. If you like, the Messiah of the Old Testament, who is King David, we will meet him very soon in this book. And uh, Samuel is old, but his job's not done until he sets up this new king that will reflect God's perfect king. Now, before that new king comes, the very first king will have all the signs of verse 11:17 around him. He will be a king that uh, is um, like the nations and he will run the kingdom for himself. But when the new king comes, you will notice the difference, and God will rule his people through his chosen king. And wonderfully, when that new king comes, everybody wants to live in his kingdom and have him as their king. He was so good. Now, what does that mean to us living today? Where it means if you live on this estate and you're new to church you might think that all this thing about a king and God being over everybody can sound a bit authoritarian. It's a bit bossish. Makes us all slaves. Don't particularly want a God like that. I hope you're seeing from what the Bible tells us that Slavery is what you have if you don't have God's king. Because the reality is we're actually all of us led. Uh, Peer pressure can lead us. Influential people can lead us. Culture can lead us. We've all got currents that are pushing us one way. And the point that 1 Samuel 8 teaches us that whatever current is being our guiding propeller, if you like, is going to steer us into slavery. That's how the road will end if there's any other king. So don't reject the idea of God as king when it's more likely that what you fear is going to be whatever else you choose to be your king. And don't reject God's king until you've taken a really good look at him. Jesus once stood up in front of a a senior government figure and he said that his kingdom was not of this world, which means that he wasn't after the kind of king stuff that verses 11 to 17... Are on about, He is not wanting people to come along and uh, be his slave in that way. Uh, the way the other kings of this world uh, want to do. And if you look at verses 11-17, there's one word that describes the alternate leadership system, if you like, to God. And that one word is? Where you spotted it. In verse 11, 17, it's there in verse 11, 13, 14, 15, 16, you're nodding, Paul, which, which word is it? Take. take. Okay. Take, 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 take. In contrast, Jesus said he came into the world not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You do remember that. Jesus didn't come and die as a martyr. He gave his life as a ransom. Big difference. He was doing something when he died. He was paying uh, for people to come into God's kingdom. And so the Bible is largely a book about what Jesus gives to those who want to be humbly uh, ruled by Him. He once said to me, uh, said, said to said people in the Bible, "Come to Me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart." And you will find rest for yourselves. That kind of king is what I'll be to you. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's instead in Matthew chapter eleven, verses twenty-eight to thirty. Friends, everybody needs a leader, which means, seriously, you need a leader. And here is the one that God has appointed to lead you. Fear any other choice that you might make. It will plunge you into slavery. And it will keep you there. Now, what happens? Sorry, I missed the little things. But uh, essentially, you've got the one word, take. And you've got the alternative, which is give. Give. You have missed a great deal. What happens if you are a church person? Does it mean that we're home and dry? Well, actually, you might have caught from this little thing that it's the church people that are listening to the voices around them, calling the shots, wanting to be like everybody else. And it's easier for Christians to be led by the world than we think. And that's especially going to be true in the leaders that we uh, put before us. And I don't mean um, uh, those who are sort of uh, human church leaders. It really depends on whether we're ultimately going to have leaders who put Samuel and the Bible in front of us. Because the alternative would be the the offer of what the world offers which as we've said earlier prosperity and success techniques that will apply for this life there are a number of leaders who will do that, you don't even need to walk out of your house to meet them just turn on the God channel it's an atrocious diet of uh, uh, wanting uh, to be like the rest of the world again challenge me on that and I'll explain more why later but it is so easy to come into church systems and church leadership with uh, uh, values about that come across as they talk about the roles of women or the rights of gay relationships and so on that but the only mirror this world and is led by this culture Now we need to have leaders who sit in front of a Jesus whose kingdom is not of this world. So we start uh, having uh, leadership priorities and life priorities that are not just tied into the present uh, but anticipate the coming of a future king. And so we need to ultimately uh, keep, our, keep ourselves listening to what God says through Samuel and through Scripture. But if you want to have Jesus as your king, uh, what does that actually mean in practice? Friends, I think it it matters that the first thing that we need to do is to flood our system with the confidence that this is a king whose... Major ambition in life is to give. And that is the confidence we need to grow if we are to seriously follow the Lord Jesus. And the thing that He gives us that we value Him, when we understand that He is the King who gives, we voluntarily want to be, if you like, His subjects. The Apostle Paul writes the New Testament, voluntarily calling himself his slave. Because he's just so uh, caught up in the amazing truth that Jesus just gives and gives and gives. And one of the great gifts that he gives to his people is the ability to be like him. Like him, not in the sense that we then start becoming little kings like him in the sense that we become little servants. And that is how God changes people when he comes to them. Ultimately, the big game plan that God has is to turn people into servants, which is ultimately the kind of king that Jesus was. And therefore, what we need to understand for our state as we want to reflect the kingship of God on our beckontry estates of little church starting out, we want to show them what new leadership for them might look like, and to see the attractiveness of Jesus as a servant by revealing to them what it's like for Christians, to love them as servants. That's the great need I think of our estate and I think it's God's privilege to take us as his servants and to transform us in that way Well I'm happy to stop there and uh, pray we'll then uh, have opportunities to ask questions or make any comments uh, challenge me on any of those things might just help to uh, make things a bit clearer if I've got myself muddled. But let's pray first. Our Heavenly uh, Father, we thank you that you have chosen the Lord Jesus to be our King. Uh, Please would you help us to fear the choices that we make that might take us away from his rule. Uh, Instead, uh, joyfully, humbly, submitting to his rule, Please change us to be people like him through the powerful working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we want to pray this for the glory of his name. Amen. Amen.